Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Look with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 is where we're going to be at this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We got into a little bit of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 last week as we've continued to look at unity uh, within the church. Of course, chapter 1 kind of sets the tone and the pace for what is taking place here within this book of 1 Corinthians. And it's a, it is a wonderful book, and it is very much informative and answers a lot of questions as to what was taking place within this church. In chapter 1, uh, Paul says in the last part of verse number 10, he says, "...but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you." And so we know that within this church of Corinth, Paul is... Uh, at a place in his life and in his ministry where he is helping others. And he's trying to set some things in order. And so just to kind of set the, uh, the tone of the book and the tone of the study, uh, Paul is trying to get the church of Corinth uh, to be unified. And by the time we get to chapter number 3, uh, Paul is still working uh, from that perspective so that this church... Uh, would be unified and have unity uh, within what is taking place in their life and in their ministry uh, amongst the Corinthian people. Uh, we learned some things in week number one concerning uh, the, uh, the history of Corinth. Of course, uh, Corinth was a, uh, in this particular time, it was a, a thriving metropolis, several hundred thousand people. Uh, lived within this city. Uh, it was heavily trafficked. It was Roman ruled. Um, and there was much going on. Uh, I mean, it was a thriving metropolis. Uh, it was a city that uh, would uh, rival any modern city today, uh, in at, at least as far as being a melting pot of different nationalities. Uh, and of course, anytime you find uh, different nationalities in a location like that. You're going to find and have different religions. Uh, you're going to have different uh, insight as to uh, what is taking place. And that did not help uh, the church of Corinth. Uh, of course, many of the religions that were in place and uh, even uh, those that would be uh, what we would consider mythological uh, or Greek mythology, that type of thing, that was very prevalent uh, during this time. The uh, a temple for the uh, for the goddess Diana. I almost said Princess Diana, uh, but that would be totally wrong. Uh, but the the goddess Diana was there, and uh, of, of course, different things taking place within that temple that would just be uh, utterly uh, disgusting. Uh, it was disgusting then; it would be even more disgusting today. Um, but it was there, and uh, they uh, they they just had a lot going on and a lot against them. And so you can imagine uh, within this, and as we go through and we look at First Corinthians, uh, sometimes we give 
uh, we were just talking a little bit. I was talking to Diane and, and, and Barbara and Emily just a little bit before church. Um, uh, the, the church at Corinth sometimes gets a, uh, a pretty, not bum rap, I don't want to say that, uh, but they get a, a hard time uh, based upon some of their behavior. But one of the things we have to consider is they did not have the letter of 1 Corinthians. Amen? They didn't have the book of Romans. They didn't have First and Second Timothy and Titus. They didn't have anything. More than likely, they didn't have the Gospels of Jesus Christ. What they had was 18 months of the Apostle Paul coming in and establishing this church, and then he left. They obviously had others, like Apollos, that came in and worked with them and helped them. But in many, for all intents and purposes, they were left with not much to go on. So by the time Paul gets the report back from Chloe's house, he has to set some things in order, and that is where and why we have, even today, recorded for us this letter to the church at Corinth. And Paul is setting some things in order so that there might be a sense of unity among this congregation. And it's important that we understand that because as we read through this book of 1 Corinthians, we need to read it with that in mind. We need to read it in mind with they were still learning. Uh, again, Christianity was not 2,000 years old when the church of Corinth was founded. Uh, we talked about, here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the post-Christian culture, right? There was a zero-Christian culture at this point. Many of these people uh, were saved out of pagan religions. They were saved out of uh, other uh, religions. Some were saved out of no religion into something that was just being established. And so it kind of makes a little bit more sense knowing that this church was uh, knowing again their background, where they were, who they were bringing in, it, it makes a little bit of sense as to why they were a little messed up. And, and so when we read through this, Paul again is establishing uh, some of these things here. Uh, so let's pick up this evening in verse number 1. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and uh, we'll, we'll make a few comments, and we'll uh, bring this uh, chapter to a close here this evening. But the Bible says in verse number 1, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but 
God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive you. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Again and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. That's the complete chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want you to notice in verse number 18, where the Scripture says, If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. I want to preach a message entitled from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this evening, A Fool for God. A Fool for God. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I thank You so very much. God, I pray this evening that as we explore this wonderful chapter within Your Word, that You would help us to get the full context of what is taking place here. And Father, I pray this evening that You would uh, bring about to us what You would have. That we might get the context of what this chapter is speaking about. God, may we not uh, try to simply just figure out, but God, may Your Spirit lead us. May He guide us 
and the direction that we may go. Give us the words, give us the thoughts that would be most profitable to our ears and to our spirit this evening. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we have uh, a very interesting chapter here with a few different things going on. Uh, really, we have three uh, different sections within this chapter. The first section, as we looked at last week, uh, where Paul talks about the uh, the babes in Christ and drinking milk and being uh, carnally minded and not being able to handle uh, different meat uh, or different things like that because they're carnal. And then uh, we come to a portion of Scripture that is, is probably uh, more familiar to you than the other two parts within this chapter, and that has to do with the foundation that's built upon uh, within this judgment uh, that talks about the wood, hay, and stubble, and gold, silver, and precious stones. You've probably been there uh, a time or two. And I would dare say, uh, at least in my study time and in preaching and hearing uh, this particular passage taught, uh, that we typically um, tend to focus in upon uh, this portion that deals with uh, the judgment seat. Uh, and having our works judged and having them burned by fire. And unfortunately for myself, as I was studying there, I was uh, preparing and uh, prepared to address this passage as uh, normal. But then I started thinking, uh, if we simply uh, take out these few verses and remove them and set them over here. We could certainly do that, and, and we could make some application there. But we have to uh, keep in mind and bear very closely in mind that uh, anytime we're studying the Scripture, we do better to study the Scripture and to study Scripture verses in the context of where they lie. Uh, that's how we're going to get the uh, the most accurate and, and the most uh, easily understood context of what's happening. And, and so I don't want to remove these verses and simply focus upon them, uh, because when you look at it, it doesn't really always seem to flow or uh, fit within there, but yet it does when we understand what is taking place. Then when we get to the last part, uh, as he says in verse number 18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. And he continues, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he that taketh the wise in their own craftiness again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Uh, and so this again seems to be like, okay, where is he coming from here? But he really is concluding uh, one central thought of what is taking place. And the central thought is, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how smart I am, or even how smart we're not, if we're simply smart in the ways and the thoughts of the world, we need to change our thinking. We need to change our thinking and become a fool for God. A fool for God, understanding that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And so within this, I want to give you three things this evening 
as we see within this scripture here. And like I said, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this first part because we spent much time on it last week uh, in considering what was taking place there. But I want you to notice the fightings of the fleshly life. That's where we're going to be first off this evening. Uh, the fightings of the fleshly life. Now, we see here that uh, Paul is teaching this church at Corinth that they have both a spiritual life and a carnal life or a fleshly life. That's what the word uh, carnal means, is simply of the flesh. And he goes in and he says, I, I wanted to feed you with spiritual meat, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And we talked about that a little bit last week, how we grow uh, in the faith. And as we grow in the faith, we're able to eat more uh, beyond just the milk of the Word, uh, but to move on to meat. But here, in this particular church, at this particular time, they were only able to handle milk. The milk of the Word. And Paul was still, uh, quote-unquote, nursing them, uh, spiritually speaking. And he says, you, while you should be able uh, to handle meat, you're not able yet. And the reason is, is you're still fighting with your flesh. And not just are you fighting with your flesh, you're fighting amongst yourselves. You're fighting amongst yourselves. Notice, he says in verse number 3, For ye are yet carnal, or fleshly, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? Now look, this has to do with a maturing as a believer. It has to do with maturing as uh, people. Uh, but you, you can imagine, again, he's talking to adults here, but he's calling them spiritual babies. And he's saying to them, you have uh, strife, you have divisions, and you have envying amongst yourselves. Now, if you have multiple children in your home, and they're even remotely close to the same age, uh, you will uh, have probably noticed a time or two uh, that children bicker. How many of you have siblings? You have siblings? How many of you, when you were growing up, you, you may have had a squabble or two? with your siblings. All right, now, uh, Brother Keith, you grew up with brothers. How much older are you than your brothers? Are you the oldest? You're all a year apart. Then I'm almost certain that there may have been more than just verbal fights between you three. On occasion. May have gotten physical a time or seven, uh, probably. Uh, you know, girls, I've learned girls fight too, physically. They do. Uh, on occasion, they go at it. But do you know something? I'm assuming, Brother Keith, I'm going to use you tonight because uh, you have two brothers. And uh, I'm assuming when you guys get together now, you're not fist fighting too many times, are you? No, no, not at all. You probably get along fairly well most of the time. Most of the time. Uh, there may be a topic here or there that you get into that you... Uh, one of you are, is heated about and you can get into it and there's still maybe some envying and strife and contentions from time to time. We have that, don't we? We have that even as adults. But imagine within this church as Paul is trying to get them unified. 
and he's trying to get them in unity, he has to talk about their difficulties. He has to talk about it. He has to address it because that has to be fixed first. And he says, I want to handle this and I want to deal with this. And he says, are ye not carnal? He says, you're thinking fleshly, you're thinking with your mind, and you're thinking with your physical heart or your carnal heart, and you're not thinking in the Spirit. You're not thinking in the Spirit. And there are strife and divisions and people choosing sides, and we've looked at that already as he goes back in verse number 4. And he says, one saith, I am of Paul, another saith, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Now look, this is the second time that Paul has brought this particular division up, isn't it? It's the second time he did it in chapter 1 already. And now he's bringing it up again. This was obviously a pretty big issue. You had over here on one side of the church, you had Paul's camp. You had over here on another side, uh, you had Apollos' camp. And over here on another side, you had Peter's camp. And all of them looked up to them, they trusted them. But again, uh, this church at the migration during this time, uh, they were coming in and moving to Corinth and being a part of this metropolitan city. And they were coming to this church at Corinth and they were uh, creating divisions among them saying, well, I'm of this camp. I'm of Paul. And they were proud of that. And then you had others that would come in, I'm of Apollos, and they were proud of that. And others that would say, I'm of Cephas or Peter, and they were proud of that. And obviously, between the three of those, you probably had some differing ideas as well. But it took Paul to come in and call this out and say, look, to do that's just being carnal. It's just carnal. And as long as you're carnal, you're going to have issues, you're going to have fightings, and he asks and he declares, who is Paul in verse 5? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Notice again, the Apostle Paul is pointing to God. He's pointing to God. If any problem is going to be solved in our lives, it's going to have to be done with God. Amen? It's going to have to be done with God. And he goes on again, I've watered, or I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. He's saying, I work alongside Apollos for a particular purpose, and that is for your growth. It's for your growth. You see, Paul was not against Apollos. Paul was not against Peter. He was for the growth of the church spiritually. And he says, we're one. And now he that watereth and he that planteth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. His own reward, according to his own labor. And then he says in verse number 9, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. 
but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Okay. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right, I want to use this as an illustration. We have, we have three separate buildings here at Bailey Road Baptist Church. We have three. They're connected. You can walk from one seamlessly, not knowing that you're going into uh, another structure. Uh, but for illustration purposes, I want you to imagine tonight that uh, the, the worst happened and the physical structure of Bailey Road Baptist Church is burned in a fire. Now, don't think too, too much here because uh, I do know and understand these blocks are probably not going to burn in a fire uh, and have a total loss. But after the building was burned, uh, if, for those of you that are going to think critically tonight, uh, immediately after the fire started and was burning everything, a tornado came through uh, and destroyed what was left after the fire. Okay? Is that good? And we have to start over. Now, with that, starting over, we're not going to change the foundation because the foundation has been laid. The foundation has stayed. But everything from the foundation up is going to get rebuilt. Now, here's my question tonight. We're going to take a church vote. Church vote. How many would vote? And you can't, you can't hem haul on this. You gotta make a decision right here, right now, because we gotta get this done. Otherwise, we're gonna be here all night. So, impromptu business meeting. How many of you would vote? Build it back exactly the way it is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, put your hands down. How many of you say, you know, I think we could improve on that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then you voted twice. You can't do that. So I only counted you once. Which one do you want me to count? First one or second one? You're the tiebreaker. Second, okay. That means we're building back. Okay, now everyone that voted to say, no, we're going to change this thing. We're going to change the floor plan. You all get to draw a plan of your own and submit it. Now, how many of you know that when you draw a plan of your own and you put it in, yours is the best? Abby's got her hand up. She, she's like, I, I'm, I'm going to nail this thing. I'm, I'm good. Uh, your plan's the best. You're saying no. No way. Okay, uh, how many of you think if we did that, there might be some disputings within that? Probably. I think that's why maybe some of you are saying, you know, just build it back the way it was. That way I won't get lost. <laughs> I don't have to worry about getting lost. I don't have to worry about uh, getting uh, turned around or anything like that. And if we just build it back the way it was, there's no disputings. Right? No disputings. Oh, how many of you like disputings? Be honest. Like, I like a good dispute every now and then. Anybody be honest about that? No? Okay. It's healthy sometimes, but 
Uh, not in this particular case. But, but can you imagine tonight, if we got into this, now first, those of you that said, uh, okay, I, I vote for this and I'm going to submit a plan. Now let me ask this. How many of you are builders? One. He's going to raise his hand on everything. Uh, how many of you are builders? Me. Uh, none of us are builders, per se. Uh, I mean, we, we know a little bit, but uh, not enough. But now let's say we come to a plan. We say, okay, time to go. And we just start building. And we build. And we, we decide, okay, this material over here is going to be best. This material over here is going to be best. We're going to use this and this, and we get it done. And man, we're, we're coming in under budget, by the way. Yeah, because that's what we would do. We want to come in under budget. We want to come in where we need to be at. And so uh, the foundation remains the same, but we're building upon the foundation. But there's a little bit of difficulty here because we're not builders. How many of you, how many of you know enough about building something to know there's a thing called a building inspector? You know that? Everybody knows that. And how many of you know the building inspector is always right? Always right. Believe it or not, I, I've seen buildings where people have come in. They've started building. I mean, they're almost, they're almost done. I had a friend of mine. Uh, he, he got into a little bit of uh, struggle. They were building a gymnasium uh, at their church, and he went to uh, one particular place to get his building permits, and then some other county. I mean, they're almost at the end of the project. I mean, ready for final inspection. And another inspector came by and said, you can't do this. This is within our jurisdiction. Their building was held up for almost two months because they did not pull the proper permits in the proper place at the proper time. And they held them over here. And it was held up, and they went back and forth. Even the two that wrote the permits, you had one over here uh, that said, no, we're authorized to write that permit, and the other one saying, no, you aren't. Now imagine, obviously, we know there are building laws, building codes, building uh, ideas, and they're there for, for what? Just because they have to have rules? and Oh, for safety. They don't want your building to burn down. And so they require certain materials built a certain way and a certain uh, idea. We, we, we built something one time, uh, uh, and, and the inspector came in and said, you can't do it this way. Here's what the code says. Boom, boom, boom. you got to change that. You know what you do? You change it. You change it. And so here in Scripture where it comes, within this fighting that's happening, uh, Paul is saying, hey, we've got to have some unity here. But there is a foundation of the spiritual life. And he says in verse number 11, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. 
Now, what sort of work are you doing? This is a spiritual matter. Obviously, we know that in a fire situation, that which is gold, silver, and precious stone is going to last. It's going to withstand a fire. That which is wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burned. It's going to be consumed. Well, what's the purpose here of this? The purpose here is twofold, in my opinion. Number one, it is to uh, mind you that there is a spiritual judgment coming. Again, he already told us this. Every man will give account for his own work, for his own labor. In verse number 8, shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. But here in this latter part, he says, If any man's work abide, which he buildeth thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that, ye, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now, Here's the deal. If we are building a building, now how many of you already know we already divided the church? Did you notice that earlier? Eight of you said, keep it the same. Then another eight said, keep it the same. Or change it. Sorry. Change it. That means if we were to say, all right, if you want to change it, come to this side. You want to keep it the same? Come to this side. We're going to discuss this. Now, who's going to give in? Who's going to give in? How many of you say, keep it the same? Raise your hand. Keep it the same. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ooh. Change it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You guys are not very good. You're stubborn, aren't you? Wait a second. We're carnal. Is anyone going to change? Lisa, you're going to change? You can. She's like, it's, it's like a fictational uh, thing. It's not serious, so I'm going to change. All right. What you got, Joyce? You did change. You changed too. We have two changers. All right. This vote. Oh, the roof. Well, the roof is gone, so it's got to be changed. Uh We'll go with that. Oh man, we're up. Oh, guess what? We just we just discussed and we're now we're now there. We're changing. Can't change it. Oh, you agree with that, William? That's how it was made, he says. Oh, 
So now we're getting technical and and all of that. Acoustics are terrible in this building. He just went there. Uh, did everybody hear that? If you didn't, it's because the acoustics are terrible in this building. <laughs> John? No, the foundation has to remain the same. Other things can change. Now we have differing opinions again. We have division. Is it? Will it cause strife? That's the question. Once everyone's informed, we always do agree. Okay. Well, that's the purpose of this building. Well, the building's gone, so that's one reason uh, we have to we have to do that. Did we have any no voters? I mean, you just didn't vote either way. They're like, I don't really care. Do we have any of those, John? floor. Yeah, the floor is the foundation. Okay. Uh, no, in this particular illustration, we're talking physical flooring, uh, the foundation of the building. Uh, Brian mentioned footers, uh, definitely important. That is what is carrying the weight of all of this. But how many of you would agree if we went about this on our own, we're messing it up no, no matter what agreement we come to. We're messing it up because we're not builders. Okay? We're going to mess it up. We're carnal at best. We're going to mess this thing up and the building inspector is going to come in and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. We're like, why not? We want the restroom right in the middle. It's most convenient location. It's where we want it. Well, it doesn't work that way. Because your foundation is going to determine some of these things. Amen? The foundation will determine much of what we can do. Right. Now, we can, we can finagle some things with plumbing. It doesn't have to go in the floor uh, and that type of thing. I mean, we can uh, work around that, but... It still has to be within code. It still has to be within the law of what's happening. But get this. Check this out. The purpose of the Apostle Paul talking about this here and reminding them that every man will give an account for his own work, that it's going to be held to God's standard, the purpose of having that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is to bring a unity. To the church. Do you all realize something? No, not one of you is going to give an account for Bob Salaz. Except Bob Salaz. He's the only one. None of you are going to give an account for John Failer. Except John Failer. None of you are going to give an account for me, Aaron Smith, except me, Aaron Smith. And be thankful for that, by the way. Be thankful for that. 
the purpose of this is to remind us, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm responsible for me. But how often do we get caught up in what everybody else is doing? How often do we get caught up in, I can't believe justice would do that. And justice is sitting there thinking, what did I do? Right? He's like, I'm not even sure what I did. And we get called up in, what did Keith do? Why would he do that? Why would he say that? I can't believe he would do that. He knows better than that. He was raised better than that. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's one of the first things that's, that's going to bring a disunity to anything. One of the things we've tried to teach our children, and it's hard, listen, it's hard. I, I don't know how many times one of my children has gotten bent out of shape because of something that their sibling did or didn't to do the way that they thought it should be done. You ever seen that in your home? You ever had that in your home? We've had it in ours. And I've had to stop and I've had to bring them to the side. I mean, every one of them at some point in time has had this issue. And I've had to stop and say, look, you're accountable for you. Sometimes as a church, we have to stop and say, you know what? I'm accountable for me. I'm not accountable for Trevor. Now, we're accountable to one another within that to help one another, to carry one another's burdens. But at the end of the day, nothing is going to bring unity more quickly and more understanding to look at yourself to say, I've got issues too. Not to, listen, not to excuse sin, not to excuse heinous acts or anything like that, but to simply bring a unity together. That is why this passage is within this portion of Scripture. To help bring a unity, we have to say there are some spiritual things that I'm going to be judged on. I'm going to be judged here. But, he says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let's not forget that. Again, we're talking about a physical structure and we're talking about uh, physical things that we would change or that we wouldn't change. And, uh, you know, as long as we do it within the laws, uh, there's no change that we could make that would be, uh, well, I say that, there's no change. There could be some changes that we would make that would be not necessarily better changes. Uh, we could think they were right and within the law and still be bad. Uh, now again, if we learn from our mistakes and learn from even the mistakes of others, we can learn some of those things and make acoustics better and make uh, some of these things better. But at the end of the day, we're accountable to God. We're accountable to God. Now let's look at this last part. He says in verse 18, Let no man deceive himself. Because we do that sometimes. We deceive ourselves. If any man among you seemeth... To be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. While we see the fightings of the fleshly life and we see the foundation of the spiritual life, let's look, number three, the freedom 
of the fool for God. He says in verse number 19, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. We learned this from the book of Ecclesiastes. The uh, word vain means to be empty. On our best day, on our smartest day, on our wisest day, there's no comparison in what God has done and who God is. In comparison, we're fools. And we would be foolish to put our thoughts and our intellect within the things of this world. For we are spiritual beings. That's the other lesson that this chapter is teaching us and reminding us is that yes, while we are in the flesh, and yes, while we have a carnal flesh, we are still spiritual. We are still spiritual beings that God has saved, that God has set aside, that God has sanctified, that God has called for a particular purpose. We are holy as God has made us holy. And yet, we try to be wise in the ways of the world. We try to have this understanding. He says, let him become a fool. He said, you'd be better off knowing nothing in the ways of the world when it comes to God. Know His ways. In verse number 21, he sums it up. And check this out. Therefore, let no man glory in men. Wait a second. He started this by saying, Well, ye say, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas. And he's ending this. He says, therefore, he said, I've said everything that I've had to say up until now to say this, let no man glory in men. That is to say, stop saying you're of Paul. Stop saying you're of Apollos. Stop focusing upon men and focus upon God. Nothing will bring unity to Bailey Road Baptist Church more quickly than a unified position that we're going to focus upon God. Nothing more, nothing less than God. He said, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Ye are Christ's and Christ is God's. Where is our focus to be? Our focus is to be on God. We talked this morning, God's either going to be first or He's going to get your leftovers. Nothing, again, is going to bring unity to Bailey Road Baptist Church more quickly than saying, God's going to be first. God's going to be first. Not second, not twelfth, not fifteenth, but first. And as a church, we must decide that. Again, it's not about Aaron Smith. It's not about that. It's not about who the pastor is or isn't or who used to be or who could have been. It's about God. And if it's about God, 
And if it's about focusing upon Him, because we are Christ's, and Christ is God's, listen, if it's about that, you know what? We're going to have unity. Could we unify on that, that we're going to focus on God? And we're going to say, we want God to be glorified. We want God to be honored, because at the end of the day, our works are going to be tried by fire. And they're just simply going to be our works. And many of them, as much as much as I would like to think that I've built my life with nothing but gold, silver, and precious stone, I guarantee you there's quite a bit of wood, hay, and stubble there. There's quite a bit of it. Quite a bit. But that God should get the glory? That's our focus. He continues into chapter 4. And he says, Let a man so account of us, as of the ministers of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. That's where we're going to begin next week as we consider this. Again, a fool for God. It doesn't make any sense to the world to say, I'm going to focus on God. No, the world will tell you, you focus on you. The world will tell you, you're number one. The world will tell you, I've heard this many, many times, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. You do what you want to do. No, we need to do what God wants us to do. That God would be glorified, not man, not me, not you, but God. Let's bow for prayer, shall we?